Easter Sunday message. My husband reminded me of that. That is not your typical Easter Sunday message. And part of that is because we've been doing a series through John chapter 9. And uh, I've been wanting now in my holidays to get through into the Gospel of John again and continue on. Uh, but in January I spent time studying through the Gospel of John. And this chapter really resonated with me. And uh, nine, 9 is a very, very powerful passage. And we've spent two Sundays already on this. And uh, this is kind of the closing off of that. And I think when you, hopefully when you come to the end of the message, you will see that it does fit with Resurrection Sunday. Um, and so we've been looking at sight and insight. And uh, I, I, I've been looking at... Uh, I don't do very well with these with um, glasses on, and then I don't do very well with them with the glasses off. Now I like, believe it or not, I bought these used because I like the big old binoculars, right? But the problem is I can't see a thing. Oh, I see a hand there. I do see one person waving. I'll see a few back there. And you know, I've got a, I've got a what? I've got a focus. It takes me a little bit. The reason why I bought these was uh, there's sometimes some ships come up the straight, like I believe the volume's up on that phone if you want to turn that down. And uh, and so, you know, I like to look out and look at the ship. I always hope that somebody's out there waving at me, but I haven't had that happen yet. And so this is one of the reasons why I have these binoculars, but, you know, who decides when this is in focus? Me, right? I have the authority and the ability to decide when this is in focus. It's like if you were to use the PowerPoint and it was out of focus, right? There's always one person who decides, well, that's in focus now. See, because somehow focus is somewhat subjective, isn't it? It has a lot to do with your eyesight and whether you've gotten your glasses yet or not. As some don't want to admit, they need glasses. Uh, and so, you know, it's out of focus. It's hazy, it's fuzzy. And, uh, you know, we're looking at today that Jesus is the one who decides when something's in focus or not. He's the one who has all authority. He's the one who helps us to see in the midst of blurriness and darkness and even for some blindness. He, he decides when things are out of focus for us. And, and so I, I start today with this question, you know, what do you see on this Easter Sunday? What do you see in Jesus? Because, you know, we're here and we're all different people in different parts of our journey and, and different parts of our journey of faith. And how you see Jesus and what you see is very, very important. So just to backtrack a bit, because a lot of you haven't been able to be with us the other Sundays. Uh, well, the first Sunday, we saw a miracle. We, we saw in this chapter 9 a wonderful miracle because a man who was born blind, see, nobody had done this yet. Nobody had opened the eyes or done this miracle of somebody born blind. And so we see that Jesus does this amazing miracle, and he touches this man's eyes, and he is able to see again. At the end of that service, we ask people to come forward for prayer, for healing. And you know, I want to give God the praise and glory today that people have had answers to prayer. Amen? No amens in the church? Amen. Amen. God's been good. He's been answering those prayers. 
And, and, you know, I want to say to you, whether you get the answer you want or not, God answers prayer, by the way. And there are some that came forward for prayer for healing that we're still praying as we're waiting for what God is going to do. But I believe in a miracle-working God. I believe that God is able to do miracles in our day. You, you know, you have to understand there's some people, some uh, even theologians that will tell you, well, that was only for in here. It doesn't happen today. I don't believe that. I believe our God is able to do more <laughs> and abundantly above anything we could think or imagine. If he's alive, I believe he can do it. But there's a second miracle, as we'll see today, happened here in this passage of John chapter 9. Then we realize that now John is showing you the opposite of what happened in this man's life. He is showing that the religious, this is what we looked at the last time we looked at this, that the religious of uh, Jesus' day, of John's day, as he tells his story, they're the ones who are truly blind. Because they were going around pretending that they were of God and could see. But the truth of it is, as this man comes standing and he stands before them totally healed, they question it. Oh, don't you love people like us? They question it. They question him. They go and get his parents and question the parents. And, and the point is that whatever anyone told them, they didn't want to hear it. See, it's terrible when you ask people a question and you've already made your mind up. Now, come on, spouses. <laughs> you've already made your mind up what the answer's supposed to be. That's what happened with these spiritually blind, these religious leaders who had their minds made up that Jesus was sinful. And therefore, he couldn't do a miracle. And he needed to be dealt with. And so they interrogated this man and they interrogated uh, his parents. And then they interrogated him again. And they came to the same conclusion. They were so spiritually blind. One of the famous sayings that we love from that passage is what I showed here. This man, after being interrogated the second time under oath, he says, I don't know a lot, but the one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Not too complicated. <laughs> Pretty simple. And so he stands before them with this new physical sight. But what we're going to see as we close this off today is now God is wanting to do something even deeper in his life with giving him the gift of insight. That he would now begin to see, not just physically, but also spiritually. And so we see that Jesus found him. I love this in this passage, Jesus heard that they had cast him out and found him. And he went and found him. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful promise today. See, what we had ended with last time was the religious were so fed up with this man who had been healed that they said, out you go. Out of here. He was excommunicated, he was shunned, and we talked about last time about the reality that this was the synagogue in his local small town, and that was the place of everything. It was the center of communal life, and so when you were excommunicated, when you were shunned from that place, you were shunned from the community. So here you have this man who is blind and begging on the side of the road, an outcast of society, not a 
he heals him, and instead of everybody shouting hallelujah and getting excited, they now start to question him, and because they don't like what he has to say, they say, out of here. You're out of here. You're excommunicated. And so here's this man now gloriously healed of his sight. He can now worship God. He can now work for a living. He can now have a normal life. And this has all been taken from him in that moment as he is told, out of here. You see, this was really the worst form of penalty they could give to him next to stoning. They wouldn't go as far as stoning him, but the next worst thing they could do, unless they handed him over to be crucified to the Romans, was to shun him and excommunicate him. And now he didn't have a home, he didn't have a family, he didn't have a community. He was rejected. I was thinking about that this morning. I know in my own life, have you been rejected? Have you gone through rejection in life? Sometimes it's family that rejects us, sometimes it's colleagues. Dare I say that anyone's ever been rejected by the Church of Jesus Christ? Unfortunately, it has happened. Oh, you know, the cold shoulders sometimes. Ghosting people. No conversation, no care. Oh, they're still welcome to come, but you just don't give them the time of day. You know, it's a terrible thing to be rejected. But I love the Lord, and even when others reject me, Jesus always welcomes me. Always. No matter what rejection I go through in life, Jesus always welcomes me. This just gives me such peace knowing that. This helps me to realize that, you know, uh, even when I've done things that I'm not proud of, even when I've walked away from the church and walked away from God, and there are things that if people seen them up on the screen, I would be ashamed of. Jesus welcomes me. Amen. He always welcomes me home. And guess what, church? What we're supposed to be doing, it's all throughout Scripture in the New Testament, and we're to welcome all people into his church, because Christ welcomes people. I wonder with this man, after receiving his sight, in this moment totally rejected by all, how his head must have been hanging low, wondering what had happened, why, what did he do to deserve this, as he stood up for Christ, when he told them and testified about what God had done for him. But I love that verse, that Jesus, it says that Jesus found him. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him. I like what Christensen said, an ancient church father. And they cast him out of the temple, but the Lord of the temple found him. Isn't that wonderful? So even as an outcast with no human or divine relationship, and all of this was because he defended Jesus, this man that he had met, this man of God. And we see these precious words that Jesus found him. I want to tell you today that Jesus is still looking for people. Amen. Jesus is still looking to find people. We know that's biblical, right? He said, for the Son of Man has come to what? Seek 
and save that which was lost. He is always on the move. He is always looking for people. He is wanting to draw people to himself like a moth to the flame. This is that move of the Holy Spirit. We call it in the Wesleyan persuasion, we call it prevenient grace. It is the grace that comes prevenially. It doesn't mean preventing. It means it comes before saving grace, that God is looking for us, coming for us, touching us. When you start to sense some conviction, that's the Holy Spirit drawing you to God. Not trying to drive you away, but actually drawing you to himself. He is seeking the least, the last, and the lost. Now, here, here's an interesting point. You hear a lot of people in Christianity saying, I found Jesus. You ever hear that? Like Jesus is hidden somewhere under a rock. <laughs> it's not theologically sound. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus has been coming for you all of your life. You respond to him because he is the one who comes and finds us, much like that lost sheep. He left the 99 to find that one which was lost. He comes for us. And when we realize that the Savior has come for us, we get to respond. And so he comes to this man and he has this eternity-changing conversation with this man. And here we see, once again, grace in action. Grace is God's unmerited favor. He did nothing. This man wasn't anything special. He had done nothing to deserve God's healing touch. Jesus saw him on the side of the road. Remember, the, the disciples kind of argued at the beginning, well, whose sin caused this? Was it his parents or did he sin in the womb? Jesus said, neither. This was so that God's name could be glorified. And so we see in the midst of that that this man didn't do anything. He didn't deserve anything for a miracle, and neither do we when miracles happen. You can't earn them. So all because of God's grace, this man is healed. And now we see that Jesus comes looking for him, and it's all because of God's amazing grace. And so Jesus, as he comes to him, this one who's been condemned, this one who's been shunned, that's the very one that Jesus walks to. And he asks him a very important question. Do you believe in the Son of Man, Son of God, the Messiah? Could be used interchangeably there. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And you know, that's a question he asks all of us. Do you believe in the Son of Man. Unlike these unbelieving Jews that you've just been shunned by, do you believe, do you rely completely on the Son of Man? And you know what? This man is very, very honest before the Lord. And it's so important for us to be honest before him because he asks now for insight. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? You have to realize that he was uh, had this confrontation with Jesus. He was blind since birth. He has never seen before. Jesus makes this mud and puts it on his eyes. Jesus says, now I want you to go to the pool of Siloam, uh, which means, the actual word means sent. So Jesus sent him to this pool. He was to go there and wash the mud off. And we're told that as he washed the mud off, he began to see. And we said that's about God, like right back in the garden when God created Adam. 
He created him from the dust. And so now Jesus, by putting this mud on his eyes, is recreating this which was not working, not functioning. But he has never seen Jesus. Think about that. He hasn't seen Jesus yet. Jesus comes looking for him. He's not even sure who this man is that's walking towards him. And so when he says and asks this question, do you believe in the Son of Man? He said, well, yeah, I'd like to know more about that. Who is he, sir? And so we see in this moment, tell me so that I might believe in him. We see in this moment that God is beginning to give him insight. His spiritual eyes are now beginning to be open. See, before he could believe, he needed to be informed. Tell me so that I might believe in him. And I love what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who speaks with you. Jesus is basically saying to this man, which often you see that he didn't say it to people, but for some reason with this man, he decides to rely on and to relate to him a secret that often many didn't seem to get, not even often the disciples. I am the Son of God. You're talking right now to the Son of Man, to the Son of God, the Messiah. I am He, Jesus says. And so Jesus comes out to tell him, this is the moment. I am He. And we see that the Holy Spirit does that which he does best, is he reveals Jesus. Do you realize that's the role of the Holy Spirit? When you feel the presence of God in a place of worship, and you can sense it, it's just like something comes down over you often, uh, and you just feel it come, the warmth of God. Everybody has different, you know, God works with us all individually, but you just get a sense that you're all of a sudden now in the Holy, that the Holy Spirit is there to reveal to you what? To give you goosebumps? No. The Holy Spirit shows up to show you Jesus. That's one of his main roles, is he is the one who reveals to us who Christ is, reveals who the Father is. And so we need this revelation. We need the Holy Spirit to come. Any of us who have come into faith, it's because the Holy Spirit revealed to us that we were sinners, that we were lost, that we needed Jesus. And Jesus is indeed the Son of Man, the Son of God. And the only way that can happen is through insight, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. John says that he wrote his whole gospel. We've talked about this before, that you might see Jesus and that you might believe. That's the reason for the gospel. That you might believe that he is indeed the Christ. You know, praise God that God gave him a physical miracle. Praise God that he was once blind since birth and now could see. That's wonderful. But this is the whole point of this chapter. This is why chapter 9 is very powerful. Because you see this man who was blind since birth receives his sight. You now see the spiritually blind. And Jesus now says and comes to this man that he might have the eyes of his heart open and know Jesus and see Jesus. How many times do people come and say, Pastor, pray. Pastor, you know, messenger. Pastor, pray. You need to pray. 
Pray that so and so the operation goes well. Pray, pray that you know my loved one uh, has a safe trip. Pastor, pray. All those things are wonderful. I love prayer. People know I'm a person of prayer. But a person can be miraculously healed and lost for eternity. And so the Father's desire above everything is that you would know him, see him, believe in him, and have a hope for today and for tomorrow and for eternity. And so Jesus wasn't satisfied to heal this man physically and just leave him there. Jesus comes to find him that he might be one of his disciples, that he might come to faith, that he might have not just sight, but also insight. The Lord loves you enough today that he wants to be the savior of your heart, of your life, of your soul. And so as we see this wonderful insight, Christ came to be the life of the world. He says that in this chapter 9. He says it right in John chapter 1. John tells us that he is the light of the world. So it's interesting. We see this man's response as he receives this gift of insight. It's like all of a sudden a light bulb went off. We say that, right? Like all of a sudden it all made sense. I remember on that Sunday morning, August 1984, where all of a sudden I knew that I needed Jesus. I've been raised in the church. I heard it all my life. I went to Salvation Army as a child, and we had a junior soldier thing, and I found it years later where it had the prayer, and I signed my name to the bottom. I've been at youth group and altars. I've been all over the place. I did everything they told me to do. But it wasn't until that morning that my life was a mess and I had drifted far from God that I sat in that church and I knew that God was speaking to me. It was as if the church was empty and it was me and Jesus. And it's like a light bulb went off. And I knew that I knew what I needed to do. Do you know what happened that day? They all said it was like I was being pushed to the altar. Like I flew to the altar of prayer. Because I felt the Lord, I felt him so real, sit next to me. And as if, it, as, as if he was speaking directly to me, saying, Betty, if you take one step, I'll take all the rest with you. All the way. And so praise God for insight, my friends. You see, we all need our own personal epiphany. We all need our own personal moment when we know that it's not what grandma said or the Sunday school teacher said or the pastor said that he is alive, hallelujah, he is risen, but he is alive for me and cares for me and as rejected as I felt and suicidal as I felt, he was real and he found me. And I know that he can find anyone. <laughs> He wants to. I love this when the man says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That's not a very long verse, is it? It's, it's pretty short. But it says it all. This is the climax of John chapter 9. 
This is the climax that he's trying to show you that this man had received one miracle, but here was the greater miracle that was happening. And now he received his spiritual sight and insight, and he is his Savior and his Lord. John 3, verse 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Seeing Jesus as the Messiah, Lord, Son of Man, and fully believes every word now that Jesus says. And all of a sudden, it's like everything now has come into focus. And he finally sees and knows that Jesus is indeed who he said he was. And you know, we all need to do those actions, don't we? And that's really what happens when your eyes are open and you see. You need to confess, Lord, I believe. Forgive me for what I have done. But Lord, I believe. And we bow down and worship. Because we are amazed. I've mentioned, I've often mentioned Pastor Mike in our first, I got saved in August, he got saved in November. That Christmas, I remember, we wept through all of Christmas. Sounds crazy, but we were blown away. Blown away as we looked at the nativity that God would come and take flesh on and walk my walk, and die my death, and come up out of that grave, and we want a relationship, and it blew our minds. It just brought us to a place of weeping. We were overwhelmed by the love and the grace of God. I don't want to ever lose that feeling. I hope you have, church. Because sometimes we need to remind ourselves where we were, and what Christ has done for us. And if he's done that for us, he can do it for you as well. And so today, what we're challenged to do is we're all called, as we look at this chapter 9, to ask God to open up the eyes of our hearts, to give us insight that we might believe and worship Him on this Easter Sunday. And so this is where I tie it in, that I want to just, in closing... I want to read from God's Word to show you. You know, you often you can use stories to end a message. I personally think it's good to read the Scripture on that Easter morning. John will show you repeatedly, one after another, their eyes were open, they began to see, they began to know, they began to worship, they began to realize who Jesus is and was. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him that I will get him. Now, can you imagine Mary trying to go get Jesus? Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to see the disciples with the news. What was her phrase? I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. John wants you to see, and by seeing, believing, and worshiping him. I have seen the Lord. I couldn't have a greater prayer for you today on this Resurrection Sunday. That you could say, I have seen the Lord. I'm not talking about physical sight. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I know it was over 2,000 years ago. But I believe today you can see Jesus in a way and you can have an encounter with him that for you will be just as real as if he stood here physically today. Revelation tells us that Jesus moth walks amongst his lampstands. What does that mean in the book of Revelation at the beginning? He's walking around his churches. And I've often envisioned that. I've often prayed that. That Jesus is here. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Amen. He's present in his church. And he's walking around his church. And he is coming to find you today. <laughs> and to spend time with you today. And to give you the insight that you need to understand who he is. That your eyes might be open as well. And you would believe. Some of you would say, Pastor, it's been a lot of years. Well, it doesn't matter. He can open your eyes today that you might see him again and know that he is God. Not my God. Not the Church of the Nazarene God. Your God. Father, we surrender this service to you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for stories like this that happened where people's lives were changed and transformed. I thank you today for my story that you changed and transformed me all those years ago. And I know, Lord, that I'm nothing special, but you found me enough, you cared for me and loved me enough to die for me, to rise from that grave for me, to ascend to the right hand of the Father that the Holy Spirit could come, and that you found me. And in this place today, in the sound of my voice, you are finding people here. Yes, Lord. I pray for those today that have experienced rejection, rejection from friends and family, rejections maybe even from the church in the past. They've been let down. They've been hurt. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't reject anyone. You come to us all, Thank knocking, you, seeking, asking that doors would be open, hearts doors would be open, that you might come in and have fellowship with them. Lord, I pray that you would find yours today wide open, wide open to the risen Lord, that you would be welcome in this place, that you would be welcome in our hearts, that you would be welcome in our marriages, in our relationships, yes, in our homes, in our family. You would be welcomed in our places of work and where we go to school and everything that is done because we carry the risen Christ with us, the yes, light of the world, Amen. wherever we go. Help us today, Lord, we pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to do something a bit different today. I always believe in a word like this that I need to give you an opportunity to respond.